Hey, this is Ross Payne with Roleplaying Public Radio. This is RPPR episode 151, Shotgun mm. Summary. Woo! Yes. And uh, we're on fire. We are, okay. Uh, in some scenarios, that does happen. Uh, this is Flames, a... Flames, side of your head. Uh, this episode is going to be talking about the Delta Green Shotgun Scenario Contest. This is an annual tradition going back uh, many a year. And um, I have competed in this uh, contest for a while now. I've never won, but I'm fine. Uh, I'm fine. No, he does not. <laughs> like, Ross does not take it personally. I do not take it personally. From clenched teeth. Um, it's, Ross, this is a safe space. We support you. <laughs> I Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Um, No, for me, it's just a fun little thing to do while I, you know, uh, taking a break from longer writing projects that are driving me insane um, is what it is. And the the idea is to take a 1500 word or to write a 1500 word scenario or fewer words, um, not counting stat blocks in the Delta Green setting. And some very interesting things have been uh, created over the years. Uh, so I have won second place a couple of times. So ugh. anyway, uh, <laughs> so yeah. Point of clarification: When you're talking about writing projects that are driving you insane, are we talking like the stress level of working on them driving you insane, or are we talking like ruin, where the inherent writing project is madness? Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll say stress. Also, yes. We'll, we'll, <laughs> I'm going to go with stress. Uh, <laughs> because, yeah. So, um, but before we get into that, uh, let, I want to go over a little bit of news. Uh, well, first of course, we have, uh, Tom, David, and Dan here. Uh, Hello. To join Hello. us tonight. Um, and we, we've actually just recorded, uh, after hours, travel and, uh, Wilderlands travel vacation extravaganza part two. Um, that was great, very funny episode. Uh, catch that on After Hours. So we are loopy as hell. Yeah, no, we're <laughs> we, fine. We have definitely not been drinking. <laughs> well, clearly not. <laughs> um, so first off, I do a bit of news by the time you... Uh, I'm going on a vacation uh, this month. I'm going to Taiwan in the Philippines. Uh, hang out with my brother. and uh, World travel. And world travel. World travel. He's got stamps in his passport. Uh, I do. Uh, Joke's just not as funny the second time around. Yeah. So you're going to have to subscribe to the Patreon to hear it the first time and be it funny. <laughs> uh, so um, I have made some changes to how we schedule online Patreon games. Uh, normally, I would make a post on the Patreon itself and then coordinate. And as we've expanded to include other RPBR cast members as GMs, I've been kind of the bottleneck having to relay all messages between the GMs uh, and the players because I'm the only one who has access to the Patreon account. As you know, the creator, um, and that's kind of annoying uh, because I have two-factor authentication on it, and so other people can't really use it. Even if I did give them my login information, that's a very awkward security thing. So, um, in order to get around that and allow the patrons to communicate directly with our PPR cast members and let them know, oh, could you run this kind of game, or could you run it th- this time of day, uh, or, or on this day, or something like that? Um, I've used the. I'm, I'm doing this experiment. Uh, to use the RPPR Patreon Discord uh, as a way for the players and game masters to communicate directly with each other. Um, so uh, I will link to a Patreon post that explains it in more detail. But basically, I've added new channels to the Patreon Discord. Uh, one for announcing new games, one for joining games, scheduling them, uh, and then one for just chatting about it. So... Um, yeah, if you're interested in uh, being able to play, uh, we're going to be trying to do more games, like four games a month, uh, one game every week. 
And uh, we have more. We have multiple GMs now. We not only have me, Aaron, and Sean. We also have Kyle from Roleplay Studios and Maple Syrup Blood Money. Uh, Kyle, that's Kyle Cardi. And then, of course, Bridget is uh, going to be joining us as a GM. And so if you've liked her games of Shadowrun and uh, Fate Samurai, which are games about you know serious and mature people making serious and mature decisions. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know why you're laughing, Dan. That was totally sincere. Uh, uh, Wolf Knight Hype. Um, you, can, you can play in one of her games um, that she'll be running later this month. She might even be running Maid um, or Magic OMG. Fury. OMG. That, num- that was the number one. That's been the number one requested game so far. That, because- of course, that may be just Richard. Uh, on the yeah. yeah, because Richard likes to watch people suffer. Yeah, that's fair, and I can say that because we've talked about. He's kind of like Pinhead, you know, yeah, the yeah. sweet suffering. Um, so this is a great time to join the Patreon if you're interested in that. Uh, of course, we also add we made made some other changes to the Patreon. Um, we're doing a new uh, additional show instead of What the Heck. Uh, we're doing Don't Cross the Streams. Don't Cross the Streams is looking at things that are on streaming sites. Right now, we're looking at Netflix because Netflix has a bottomless. Pit oh, of it, oh, weird it, oh, stuff. It, it's a cornucopia. Um, and dissecting something on Netflix for gaming purposes. So, in our first episode, we looked at a Steven Seagal movie, Force of Execution. Which, uh, by the way, if you didn't know, Steven Seagal's still alive and doing movies. Yeah, believe it or not, he has not died of a drug overdose. Uh, he seems like the kind of guy who would do that. Or well, autoerotic asphyxiation. More like a guy who would die of a bacon overdose. <laughs> All right, fair if enough. You've seen him of late. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, uh, I have seen him as late because I did see Force of Execution, which is a... I'm sorry, Ross. Yeah. Uh, anyways, we had a good time making fun of it and dissecting ways we could use it as scenario, uh, gaming fodder. Uh, Thad actually created a random Steven Seagal table. How will Steven Seagal show up in your in your game? What is he doing? I'm sorry. <laughs> and I'm sorry you to you, uh, Internet. <laughs> and then uh, our second episode, we talk about uh, the uh, Chronicles of the Ghostly Tribe. A 2015 Chinese summer blockbuster movie that is literally batshit insane because there are bats that are made of fire. Like you do. Like you do. I'm sorry. (laughs) And Bridget's writing something for that. Uh, I'm sorry, Bridget. Oh, we all had a good time with it because it's actually way better than the Steven Seagal movie. It's like there are legitimately good moments. Oh, because that's a that's a high (laughs) bar, high praise from Ross Payton, connoisseur of fine movies. Mm. Yeah, no, it's it's. um, Well, actually, I'll put one of the episodes out as a preview on the main uh, feed so you can take a listen to that. So we're still focused on gaming stuff, even though we're doing movies now, but. Um, we got, uh, uh, Faye, uh, Sean and I got pretty burned out on just reviewing terrible RPG book after terrible RPG book after doing Watt and then riffs for There's two only years. so much the human mind can take. Yeah. So movies are with also a more varied cast. We're getting people in, you know, like Bridget and, uh, Caleb is actually in episode two. He's the he watch. Yes. You got Caleb to do something that's not mix six. Yep. Good job. Um, so yeah, if you want to, yeah, I'll put the the Caleb episode up, um, the Caleb and Bridget episode, so you can uh, listen to them talk about how fucking crazy that movie is. Um, there's there's so much. There's a Elvis impersonator who sings about Genghis Khan, and yeah, what? Seems yeah. legit. Yeah, and in he's in a restaurant that all the waitresses dressed up as maids, and like that's just that's just that's they, they never explain that. That's just background. That that's not even the point of the scene. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, it's fun. Um, so we are now uh, back to uh, getting a little more serious, I guess. Uh, so going back to Delta Green. So Delta Green, um, you know, is of course obviously a great modern horror uh, game setting. And there's been an active community for it for a long time. Actually, since I think maybe the late 90s, this is the Delta Green email list. And I've been on this list a long time myself. And they talk a lot. Probably every member, including me, is on a lot of lists now because we talk about, you know, uh, military-grade encryption and weapons of mass destruction. And, oh, you know, you're, conspiracy on some, you're on some watch lists. Yeah, yeah, we're on some watch lists. And so... Well, aren't we all? Yeah. And... I mean... We've been on this podcast for how long? <laughs> so uh, at some point, uh, a member, uh, Kenneth Scrogans, um, came up with this idea of like, um, there's a little sum- summation on the Delta Green Wiki of coming up with a really short scenario concept. Uh, not a full thing, just enough to get you into the game. And he called them a shotgun scenario. And so ever since then, it's been an informal contest just done by the members of the list uh, to do this, and um, last year, and the last couple of years, there have been a lot more entries than uh, ever since the new edition of Delta Green came out. There have been a lot more entries to the contest, and um, this year is no different. Uh, I had an entry called Under New Management, which, uh, if you follow our AP feed, that was an uh, actual play. I did record a game of it. I was there. Tom was in it. Uh, Tom had a great time. Sure, uh, we did. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, but there were like uh, quite a few entries in this in in last year's uh, contest, and so I asked everybody here to just read as many as they could and uh, talk about them. And um, so first, we could just sort of do an overall uh, impression of last year's entries, like before, without getting into details. Like, what was your overall impression of them? Um, so, who, who wants to go first? Uh, well, I've got one here that. Um I absolutely love because it reminded me of a different game that we played, you know, Dirty World. Well, what was your overall impression of the one? Oh, well, my overall impression, yeah. um, the statement, we weren't briefed, <laughs> okay. definitely comes to mind. Um, most of the shotgun scenarios that I read kind of take your investigators and throw them directly into the fire. And it's, all right, you, you'll figure it out or die. Eh, coin toss. And it's not so much a case of you weren't briefed because we didn't want to brief you. It's more yeah. briefings take time and we don't have that because shit done got real. You're in. Now clean yeah. up the mess. Um, yeah, one one common th- theme in a lot of these shotgun scenarios is because it's 1,500 words or less. You are very limited. You really yeah. have to get There's to the no point. There's no room for fact. Yeah, you 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 have to get to the point very quickly. So a lot of them are actually not even full scenarios, not like a full nights of gaming, they're more like encounters, which is both good and bad. It's bad in that like you can't just take one and get a full night of game out of it, but it's good because you can string them together or use them to fill in another scenario. So, um, you know, a lot of the published scenarios even have like, oh, have the players do something else for a while. Have them blah, blah, blah. And then the threat comes back and oh, isn't that fucked up? So you could throw in a shotgun scenario as that interlude or you could have that as just uh, it's almost like a random, I wouldn't say a random encounter table but it's it kind of serves that i need a little bit extra to go in here 
And or it uh, would be a great thing where it's well, Bob was supposed to be here tonight, but unfortunately, life happened to Bob, mm-hmm. and Damn so it, Bob. hey. Bob has to do what Bob has to do. Damn it, Bob. Damn it, Bob. So instead of continuing with this campaign, and we're going to need Bob for this because he's the only member of our group that speaks Aramaic. Damn it, Bob. So instead of continuing with the thing that we were doing, we're just going to have to do a one night, one shot. Here's a nice one. Yeah. We're just going to grab a shotgun scenario. Yeah. That's okay, fair. fine, Bob. Um, all right. That's a, that's a good, that's a good, uh, I, yeah. Uh, so David, you're probably the least familiar out of all of us with Delta green. That's a David. Uh, sorry, Dan, sorry, uh, Dan, um, yeah. you're the least familiar with it. I'm the least familiar with all things horror mythos. <laughs> yeah. Nonsense. Oh, uh, whoa. Okay. Well, nonsense. I mean, hmm, yeah, that's fair. I, I, the crazy people <laughs> wrote the source material, Peyton. What more do you want? All right. Uh, so what was your impression overall? Um, like they were very short adventures. They were, yeah. There was a clear objective ish. Uh, more often than not, it, there was some things that were like really fucking weird. And <laughs> I'm just sitting there going, "Huh, I know next to nothing about Delta Green except for what I experience at Ross's table." All right, um, that's fair. So the, that that is also another critique is that they're very kind of. Um, some of them you could apply to other horror settings, but a lot of them are very, un- they're very unique to Delta Green. Because there's not room for fat. There's not room for explanation. There's a level of assumption of if you're using a Delta Green shotgun scenario, you have at least this much familiarity with Delta Green. Yeah, that's fair. And also that it's, it, they're tailored for the Delta Green framing device, i.e. Yes. A night at the Agents. Opera. Yeah, night at the opera. Yeah. Uh, so Tom, uh, I, what was I, your overall? Uh, definitely, I kind of liked my. I really enjoyed trend reading, uh, reading them and realizing just you have really how little room they have to get yeah. the point, the whole point across. And it, it when you, when it does, but they most yeah, just about all they of get them, them across. Yeah, they they get them across. It's it's and it's one of those. It's I think God, this would be perfect for a first time GM. Mm-hmm. Just here's the idea. Read it. Read it for about ten minutes. Um, actually, yeah, that's actually a really good point because. Um, uh, you may be familiar with Delta Green Need to Know, which is the free quick start guide mm-hmm. that has the pre-generations mm-hmm. like Kamarov and um, uh, so on and so forth. Um, that uh, the scenario in it, Last Things Last, was a shotgun scenario. Um, and yeah, that was meant, and it, they've, they fine-tuned it into a starter adventure for Delta Green agents, a way to introduce them to the setting. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's that. And also, they're also dead on. They're it's a huge list, but it's perfect ideas to milk from mm-hmm. as well. Well, and just to throw it out, um, so on the dovetails of Christmas, yeah, I'm. Oh, is that the name of the scenario you want to talk about? Well, no. Um, oh, okay. I'm just saying for timing purposes. <laughs> we're uh, what February first today. Yeah, yeah. Okay, during Christmas time, we always get these Danish butter cookies in the cookie tin, and. Mm-hmm. We picked one up this past year that has artwork on it called A Night at the Opera. <laughs> and when I was reading through these scenarios, the thought that hit me was I could take all of the handouts for any one of these scenarios. And even if I did them as 3D things and, you know, I'm going to fold an origami that's going to fit for this. I'm going to put in, you know, you've got a pistol with this many bullets. I could fill every handout or I could fit them into this cookie tin because they're that compact that you could just take this oh, yeah. and just load it up. 
That's actually, yeah, that's actually, uh, that could be like a mini green box. And actually, you could get a campaign out of that. Like, pick up, a, pick up one of these handouts, and that, and then the GM looks up that shotgun scenario and be like, okay, here's your lead. What do you do? You got to solve all these. Don't die. Yeah, don't die. Uh, or do you know? Because um, also it's death is insane. Either well, well, yeah. well death is a, is a, is a way out. Uh, survivability really varies. Some of them are actually pretty survivable. Um, it depends though. Like others, not so much. Not so much. Well, yeah. uh, Bastald, the hypercube one I wrote was also a shotgun scenario, and <laughs> that actually could be really survivable if you don't. I don't know. Go in the paintings if you don't RPPR it up. <laughs> yeah. Well, this one That's that I fair. was uh, just looking at right now, Bleach yeah. Protocol. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So framing device on that one is two days ago, Cell Y was assigned the mission to pick up a dangerous package, mm-hmm. codenamed Epimetheus, from a green box and deliver it untouched to Samuel Niche, a friendly contact. After delivery, seeing that the seals on the package have been broken, Niche immediately informed A Cell. Due to the perilous nature of Epimetheus, A-Cell has declared Y-Cell compromised and initiated Bleach Protocol, which is the elimination of the entire cell. Here's the problem. Y'all are Y-Cell. That was one of the ones I want to talk about, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that one is really interesting because that bec- they, the way it's written, it's almost its own game. Like, they write yeah. it as a separate little kind of storytelling game. Um, so you don't even need, like, the full Delta Green mechanics for that. Um, and this yeah. one kind of called out to me um, just because I looked at this one and I thought, Bilby was a bad man. Um, this is almost Delta Green does a very thorough murder. Yeah. It's like, you guys are all in this together because somebody done fucked up. Now decide amongst <laughs> yourselves who was it or I'm going to start rolling this caltrop. <laughs> and whoever lands on the pointy end is the one that just kind of doomed everybody. So talk amongst yourselves. I mean, fight amongst yourselves. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, there's, there's a, there's a degree in variance in how much like free will players have. Like you could give them like, Oh yeah, here's the mission. They can do whatever. Like, Oh no, you're already fucked up. That, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you don't have a choice on that. How are you deal with the fuck up? Um, and, uh, I don't find who that are you going to throw under the bus in the hopes of saving the rest of your asses? Cause yeah. somebody's got to bleed for this. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Bleach Protocol um, is definitely very unusual in that it did offer this whole mini game thing. Um, it has a lot of different tables for like, yeah, like you said, r- randomly assigning blame um, and who's going to respond to them and what they're, you know. So there's a lot of uh, variance, which gives you a lot of playability. And obviously, that's also a great way to... Um, like that could be sort of sanit or sort of standardized into like here's how Delta Green responds with uh, you know cells of agents that fuck up you know traitors or whatever or yeah. like people that need to be t- taken out and so yeah that's it and even when you do get to the bottom it's whatever your players chose Epimetheus should be contagious in some way deadly but with a delay relentless and scary so what are your symptoms and how long do you have to live yeah nothing visible few hours light symptoms a day. Severe, but four days. So it basically boils down to you guys are pretty much dead anyway. They're kind of trying to give you the easy way out unless you can figure it out faster than that. Yeah. Um, and obviously that's something GMs can easily alter. Like maybe make it secret. The players don't know. Maybe they, maybe instead of dying, they mutate into a monster or something like that. Um, yeah. What do you guys think uh, mm-hmm. for that premise? Mm-hmm. Any any thoughts? Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, it's, just, yeah. it's a good, you know, uh, you know, it's a good doomsday countdown. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good way of looking at it um, with the variance. 
Um, also, it's a good illustration when you're like if you did it as a one shot. It's a good as part of a different campaign. It's the this is what happens when you done fucked up. Oh yeah, even if yeah. even if that fucking up was nothing. You, yeah, that could you be did. like um, you're doing a campaign and then you do a side game with different characters. And at the very end, it links back to the main campaign. Like, mm-hmm. it's the same NPC handler or boss or something like that. So when the players come back to their regular characters, they know, oh, that's going to that's gonna be our, our us if we fuck up really bad. Yeah. So, okay. I like that. Um, and there are ways out of it. But um, one of the things that it's also, um, in reading the scenario all the way through, one thing that I have to throw out is that... Um, one of the big things is running the games. You basically just have to ask pl- questions to your players, reuse their answers, and twist them. If the pace of the game is slowing down, pick or choose an opponent player or a paper. He or she manifests in the story. So basically, for running the game, you mostly put it on your players. It's, how did you fuck up? <laughs> how did you fuck up? Like, why don't you tell me? Tell me how tell you me. fucked up. Show me uh, on the doll where that, you fucked we'll up. But I with didn't the fuck up. the rest of the class. Yeah. Because somebody fucked up, and according to the dice, it's you. No. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to try to talk your way out of this, or I'm just going to move on to the next question, which is who is after you for fucking up? Now, you kind of need, um, I would say, sort of a, a level of trust between GM and players. Um, because you don't want to do that and be like, ah, you suck because the dice say you suck. Like you want to make it, um, to where it's a role playing exercise and not like saying, ha, you're, you're a terrible player now. You're, yeah. you, you, you're terrible at this game because of that. Like, and if you, and there are some groups that that like would definitely happen. So, yeah. um, got to know your table for that. Oh, well, got to know your table. Got to know your fellow players and your yeah, I would not do that at a con per se, unless yeah. in I, I would depend on how to read it. Like I guess if it's Delta Green, the players at most cons would know what Delta Green's about. So maybe uh, maybe but, um, you, you give a description like this is about how your character's already fucked up. So I hopefully, still, if you sign up, you know what you're into. Yeah, I still kind of lean back towards a very thorough murder where everything about it was yes and. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. This guy is dead. One of you killed him. <laughs> Or in this case, it's this box was opened. Who did it? Yeah. Uh, that's a good point. Um, so uh, I guess we should talk about the, the albatross in the room, which is, of course, my scenario. Which Ross didn't Payton. Win, uh Under new management. Uh, which, which you can, you can listen, to. listen to on RPPR. <laughs> uh, you know, if you like that kind of thing. Whoa, whoa. Uh, I that you're listening to this, so you probably <laughs> do. So what did you think of it? Um, there were some comments. There was some discussion on the uh, Discord uh, that I found interesting, but I'll, I'll, I'll share those comments in a bit, but I kind of want your guys' input for, first. What did you think of the scenario as written? Uh, and Tom, you can give me the verses, like, written versus how I ran it. But first, let's talk about is the, the words on the screen. As well, having not listened to it, yeah, because, I one, I haven't had the time lately, and I'm sorry. It's, it, don't, don't be sorry. Ross won't take it personally too bad. It's fine. It's fine. But um, I also kind of wanted to experience it at some point, and mm-hmm. I didn't want to give myself too many spoilers. But I did give it a good read, and I have to say I love the very start of it, which is you are going in, you are going to be simultaneously trying to clean up the mess and trying to deal with all of the workers that are coming in and kind of going, what happened to Jim? Wasn't Jim the manager? And you have to 
mix the interpersonal skills with the investigation because you can't exactly go, all right, um, Aaron, you're going to be playing our face. You get to talk to all of the temps and you're going to be the person talking to every single temp while we try to get this cleaned up downstairs. Yeah. But I don't want to talk to the temps. All right, here's your mop. Tom, you talk to the temps. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't exactly... You're going to have to have a fair mix where not everybody can be downstairs. Mm -hmm. Not everybody can be upstairs. But you want to have to rotate the players because if you're downstairs for too long... Bad things happen. Bad things happen. But Uh, if you're upstairs for too long, it's not so much that bad things happen as much as it is that everybody who sees you is going to start getting suspicious. And if you are one of the only two people who's talking, you're going to get burned. So that was one of the parts that I thought was well-written. There's consequences for whichever role you fit and whatever you do within the party. But at the same time, um, they're not exactly visible consequences. Yeah. All right. I mean, you're not going to know that bad shit's going to happen to you in the basement unless you're slightly genre savvy. And you're not going to know that bad things are going to happen upstairs, again, unless you're expecting Ross Payton. It's, it's Ross Payton and Delta Green. There is no correct choice. <laughs> whoa, whoa. So, Dan, did you read it? Did, yeah. All right. I'm just uh, going to stay yeah. home today. I'm not going to go into work for Delta Green on this one. There's no. a gas leak. Your home explodes. <laughs> Whoa. Well, it's not so much your home explodes as much as reality is doomed because team didn't get it done. Also, it's not the ga- that it explodes. It's that you only have time to save one person. Who is it? And why? You know, that kind of thing. The anyway. Peyton Pyrrhic victory. It's Aww. the cat. Uh, it's the I'm cat. sorry, Dan. Anyway, what did you think, Dan? Do you have any thoughts on it? I a lot of echoing of what David said is also because it's also a scenario that is ripe for those situations of, all right, so our team's got the techie in case we need to figure out tech things. Oh shit. We need someone to talk to the temps. Um, well, the face is already talking to the feds. You go talk to the temps. And yeah. Role play the shit out of that or else. Um, yeah, that's true. Uh, I, that is no boss. I, yeah, okay, when I played it, I got it. I got well, it. Talk for, well, talk a little bit uh, uh, about how the writing version of it. Uh, it's not much difference except in uh, just, I think it's what, what we, I, I'm glad I didn't read it before I played it. Well, yeah, of course. But it was, to me, uh, you know, as, as written, it's, you know, like, go in and clean up this mess, but that's not the vibe I got. Okay. What I got was, try to pretend to be a normal person for a length of time, <laughs> which is like, well, shit. <laughs> that's the one thing I can't do. Yeah, um, yeah, that's actually true. Uh, when I ran it, it was with uh, clean pregens, i.e., um, pregens without like disability, like with the the adapted to violence or helplessness or anything like that. So they were the relatively high CN scores, or you know, no, no, no crippling disabilities or anything. Uh, not I disabilities. Mean, I, I also say that mental you know, conditions. Yeah, that, you know, playing it for a second, I thought like you know, some of the people showing up seemed a little unrealistic you know like in their zeal to like find out what's going on but like no wait i've known people like that yeah who it's not just they it's not called like hey why is the place closed it's you can't close this down i need this job yeah exactly and you want to, and and i swear to god at that time you know all your thought is let them in and kill them just let them in and kill them um, so goddamn annoying so to give a little background on it oh, before hey. I happen to love my job, Tom. 
<laughs> well, again, your job doesn't doesn't have a monster in the basement. Uh, to my knowledge, to your knowledge. <laughs> so uh, the premise is it to your knowledge. There is no monster in the basement, and his name is not Lenny. Uh, the the uh, the thing that gave me the idea for this scenario was actually Stranger Things season two, um, because it be first episode. It t- it takes place the year after the 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 first season, obviously. Well, not obviously, but that's what it does. And they have the same secret government lab, but the government has decided, you know, not to just you know they can't just shoot everybody. They can't put everyone in a secret prison because the U.S. Uh, that would that would raise more questions than you yeah, know. Yeah, we can't do that again. Yeah, I can't do that again. So there. Um, so what I found interesting was Paul Reiser's character, who is the doctor in charge of this secret lab, and he's basically all the other previous scientists and people were killed in season one. Spoilers. Uh, but uh, and so Paul Reiser's character is this doctor who's taking over the lab, and he's cleaning up this mess. And there's you know there's monsters in the basement of this secret lab but it's not so secret because like six people know about it you know the Mm -hmm. sheriff the mother the kids and they're like well we gotta we can't we gotta tell them to keep quiet because you know that would raise more attention to ourselves if they all disappeared um and so it's it's kids yeah and so he has to keep it secret from the public yeah yeah it's I mean, Paul Reiser, and yeah. the thing that I loved about him throughout that entire season is I've seen him play the good guy in some movies, and I've seen him play the bad guy in The Snake, who is just telling yeah. you what you want to hear. And it wasn't like until aliens. the last yeah, yeah. episode that I knew well, which I side seen, he I, actually landed on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, don't spoil season two for people who haven't seen it yet. Oh, uh, I'm yeah. just it's saying, Paul Reiser, what, six awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I love that idea, and so I was like, I love the idea of like he, he clean up someone else's mess, like, and so what's the Delta Green version of that? And of course, fifteen hundred words. I don't. I just like I had to go very bare bones with it. I, there's a certain economy of words mm-hmm. in writing these. Um, and then uh, the main thing is for Delta Green is like, why do they have to keep this place? Because their usual mo is to burn everything down. You know? It's the, it's the destroy everything. Yeah. So, uh, with fifteen hundred words, I can't come up with. A, I can't. I, I just didn't come up with a clever space time anomaly or whatever that required them to do that. So I just said, "Yeah, monsters going to show up in a week and eat people if you don't do anything. If you just leave the building." So um, that uh, was a dimensional shambler, basically. Well, and you uh, know, that's still a clever thing. I mean, for me, the thing that would be good is leave it ambiguous. Um, just say. That. Well, the, the players don't know that. Like, it's there's, written in the notes, but, like, it's not... The players just know there's something weird in the basement. Yeah. But even if you leave it to where the DM or the facilitator or whatever you call the person who runs Delta Green, mm-hmm. um, if you just left the note as, there is something wonky going to happen in one week, Yeah, they have a week to clean it up, fill in the blank with whatever you want. Yeah. And that's what people do. There are so many different things that it could be. It could be a Hound of Tindalis. It could be a Dimensional Shambler. It could be this is the summoning ritual for Phil and Great Old One. I mean, it could be, why is there Cthulhu in this basement? Um, why not? Whoops. Out of Snapple. Yeah. Uh, so for me, um, so like there were several people on the Discord who were talking about it, and they, they, they said that that was the weakness of the scenario, is, is that it was just a monster. It was a bug hunt at the end. Like, it was a great setup, but like, 
um, because it was just oh, it's just a monster. Like it's not like some of the some of the uh, shotgun scenarios get really weird and really crazy, and that's. Um, well, and, and it depends on your players. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just there are some people who like a round of investigation that is going to end with a bug hunt because there's some people who go, just let me freaking shoot it. Why can't I throw a barrel at it? But then there's going to be other players who are going to want to play this game. And once they get to what it is, make it a puzzle where it's something that alters their perception to where they can't be sure of what's actually going on. Right. And that that's sort of the great thing about like the best Delta Green scenario, certainly from the published ones, are all things that have like unexpected twists and like really weird shit going on that's that's really interesting. Uh like Night Floors or Convergence. Convergence has this great twist um where the players are going to the small town to investigate UFO weird shit. And then they the the, the thing is if the players eat or dr- eat any of the food from that town or drink any of the water from that town, they're infected with a virus that's going to 100% kill them. So unless they ate packaged food that was brought in from outside of the town, they're going to die. And that's uh, – and so some players are – some players have survived because they play super paranoid people. And that's the I'll kind of thing honest, Delta Green is really good at. Sean or If uh, Sean or Tom is running the scenario, especially Tom um, – I will tend to go with prepackaged food. It's, no, I'm bringing all of my own rations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Long pig. What? Uh, what? Yeah. So it's, it's like, almost huh. like we've some been of the local delicacies. Things. So if I were to take another shot at under new management, I know I would work on the basement section of it. Uh, so like a lot of in the if you listen to the actual play, there's a lot of weird shit I throw in the actual basement that I just improvise on the spot. Especially like Sean get has these weird hallucinations at the end, and he has all this crazy shit that's happening to him. And uh, and Sean's like, yeah, no, I go with it. I, I shoot the cops and that kind of thing. And um, that's not in the scenario. That was me improvising. I just say there's weird things happening in the basement. You well, can yeah. make it up. Yeah, totally. So, um, there's that freaking parrot. Yeah, yeah. You can throw a par- the parrot in there. Um, anything else, Tom, about it? Uh, yeah, versus differences. No, to me, uh, I, I just enjoyed it. It's all the best. I think all the best stuff just came from trying to, because uh, it's almost begging people like. Please don't come in here that we have to murder you. Please stop coming here. It's, I, I, it's, I, I want you to just like, can you people not see there are guns here? <laughs> well, Go home. Uh, the, yeah. I, I also, there were times, I actually one point went, wait a minute, you're American workers. You have a day off. Use it. Um, well, yeah, but there no, has to be conflict the, in the scenario. But it's the gig economy, Tom. A yeah. day without work is a day without pay. That's true. Uh, also, now, I, I, if you I, could make sure that they are aware it's a paid day off, that's probably a fairly solid bargaining point. Um, one thing that did actually come that would up, make them a lot more suspicious. But yeah, uh, the one thing that did come up in the actual play version, uh, and then I have written in it is that the fact the player, anyone with accounting, still has access to the, comp- the, mm-hmm. the company's computers, uh, and they can find like over a million dollars in mm-hmm. funds that they Which can we, do. We didn't take. You did. No, you, we didn't take for ourselves. You didn't take for yourselves. You bribed those workers. Well, we used it to, for, to save, try to save people. Yeah, well, you used well, it to no, bribe to, workers to well, sh- go a, away. Well, we saved them by us not having to kill them. Yeah. Um, so I find, because Delta Green agents are often, it's very much in theme of the game of the setting to be on a shoestring budget. And uh, I kind of wanted to play with that and give players this this temptation of like you could take the money and run, or you could take the money and do this or this or this. Um, and yeah, 
Hello, funding for AK-47. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you could do all kinds of crazy shit with it. Um, and I wanted to see what you would do with it. Like, what, you know, what helicopter gunship defines me as a person? Well, I think that's a little more than a million dollars. Um, so, anyway. What helicopter gunship yeah. defines you as a person? <laughs> because uh, if you gift it, it's tax exempt. So, Tom, tell us about one of the scenarios you... Uh, um, I wrote down... One of them was uh, nyctophobia. Yeah, oh, nice. which is uh, it's kind of like I did. You read that one too? I did. Okay. So yeah, I, I, I have actually... fear of Nicolas Cage. <laughs> no, this is dude, fear okay, of dude, darkness. Dude, yeah, dude, come on, we're not gonna. Anyway, we're not, we're not gonna go that direction. Do you know AI? Is, uh, someone's programming an AI to replace actors' faces with Nicolas Cage's face that. in various movies. Mm-hmm. So, like Lois Lane in the new Superman movie, uh, Dawn of Justice, or whatever. Is Nicholas Cage <laughs> humanity is worth helping? Uh, these are the end times. No, this is the one. I like this one. It's kind of like it's like a disease of darkness. Mm-hmm. Like it's infected you. It's a. You know, it's it, it's yeah. not really a scenario per se. It's just like, well, ex- a, explain it. it yeah. It's kind of it's a thing that can happen to your players. Yeah. Uh, it's you know, it's like a darkness starts creeping on you, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a figure in the darkness that you start seeing out of the corner of your eye. Yeah, there's different stages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It gets worse and worse. Uh, it really doesn't. I, I, as I recall, I don't think it actually decides what happens when it finally gets you. Yeah, they. Leave, I think they they left that open. But it, it's yeah. This seems like it's not so much a scenario as this can be going on while sh- stuff is happening. Yeah, uh, a lot. Uh, some people do that. They use it as kind of like I can't get a full scenario in, but here's something to spice up another scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like while you're investigating these deep yeah, ones, it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of like it's, it's, it's like it follows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's just something. Coming towards you, yeah, and you can't really do anything about, it or you know, or you can. Part of it is figure out how to deal with this, but it's just, and you don't even know what's going to happen when the guy finally, the figure, gets to you. Yeah, well, it kind of reminds me of that new horror movie that's got Robert Englund in it, um, where a bunch of kids cast a ritual that they're not supposed to cast. I know this is oddly specific, really, mm. um, but. Uh, yeah, summons this dark figure into the house, and you get no benefit from it. It's just that if you lose the game, you die. And so, on the surface of it, it's why the hell would anybody play that game? In this case, it's the, oh, you're seeing the darkness, and it's creeping in a lot closer. It's blowing out candles. Lights are flickering, and lights are burning out, and uh, you didn't really do anything to deserve that. Well, so, it, it reminds me. Oh God, the that Wes Craven movie, uh, Dark or Darkness or something like the that. Dark, something the like Dark, that, yeah. Which is where okay, not so, the Anna Paquin one, but the one no. with the yeah. And it, I love it. It's like in that one. Okay, it's like it's like there's these creatures following you, and their only weakness is light, but they can extinguish every light source except the sun. Yeah. So it's kind of the. I guess there's the problem with uh, doomed characters when you know they're doomed. Yeah. It's kind of the. Wow, I'm kind of bored now because I know nothing they do is going to. Yeah, and which are you familiar with this movie, Dan? No, but I have already figured out how they could save themselves. Okay, they borrow the giant telescope and satellite network from Batman and Robin to just bathe the area in sunlight. Okay. Well, if it's a, from a machine, I'm guessing these things could probably things from another genre. Yeah, I'm guessing these things could. Well, if they can, they can blow out candles, extinguish flies. I'm sure they can. Flashlights. Mess, yeah. I'm sure they can mess with a satellite. Yeah, yeah. They, they seem be to be omnipotent. 
Uh, which is great for like a, for storytelling. Yeah. Not so much for a movie. Yeah. So like that's why I like this one. It avoids that because I think it's like what does happen yeah. when it catches up. It's a it's it's a set of mechanics to sort of like give uh, a GM a another. Sort of it's, a, it's like another Doomsday countdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it is according to the scenario if they devote time and energy into researching it because it comes in like stage four. I think it's up, up to say, yeah, yeah. yeah. But if you can stop it before or up to stage three, you can actually rid yourself of it. But basically, it's you have to face the darkness, which is something that most players aren't going to lean towards because, well, I think as um, it was said, we have our greatest fear is the unknown. And the thing about the reason why we are still afraid of the dark as adults is it's not that we fear the darkness itself. It's what's in it. What's in it. And so to face the darkness that's coming for you and just kind of go, all right, what? And just face it head on is to go directly against human nature. And few people would be willing to do that, much less Delta Green characters who have seen some of the shit that's in that darkness and uh, don't want a piece of it. All right. But then again, it's also like, it's like it could also be like it finally catches you. It just grabs your shoulder in this you're it. <laughs> and, then, and then it runs, it runs away. All right. That's more of an unknown army thing, but yeah, that's fair. Uh, and you're like, and then at that point you're like, no, no, you run after it. Yeah. All right. That's fair. Uh, now, not every scenario was super great. Uh, some of them, well, there were varying qualities and everybody I'm sure has their own preferences. Um, I do want to mention two scenarios real quick from the same person. Cause there were some people who entered in multiple scenarios. Um, <laughs> okay. It actually within the rules. So you're not. within the rules. I am within the rules. Thank you, Dan. Uh, well, I do have to say, I saw a name on there that I recognized, uh, Shout out to one of our followers. Congrats, William Shar, for second place. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, this is not the one I was uh, going for, but yeah. He, we'll get to the, the winners in a second. Um, I want to mention Melon Bread. He had two. Um, he's also on our Discord. Um, because the beauty of the white woman ape must not perish from the earth, uh, I liked. That was the last entry on the, on the list. Um, it's a very pulp thing where the players essentially um, interrupt a Nazi sorcerer who's trying to resurrect... Uh, this ape woman from uh, through very convoluted sources, Mm -hmm. but I found it interesting because basically her mind is a sorcerer from the future who's been like, uh, who was mind swapped with the Yithian, but Mm -hmm. that got her mind then got trapped in this mummy. And so the Nazi sorcerer is trying to resurrect it because he thinks he'll get a cult power from it. But as soon as the the ape woman, as the sorcerer wakes up, she just zaps the dude because like mm. fuck you, you're you're an asshole. I don't like you. Uh, but then she realizes she needs allies, and the players have a chance to actually recruit her as a Delta Green asset, and then hand her over to an NPC a Delta Green agent who will try and you know teach her languages and stuff, uh, contemporary languages. So I find that very interesting because um, you know I like scenarios where the players can talk to the monsters, not necessarily be friends with them, but at least understand their motives uh-huh. um and so this is sort of like oh yes we can gain great occult knowledge and we can use this to fight the mythos but then they're like oh wait we're helping an evil sorcerer from the future who's just going to you know make the dark future that she became you know she's going to try and make her timeline come true and that's a really terrible one judging from what she's talking about so do we really want to do this yeah, yeah I mean, like, so it's like talking to grunwald yeah yeah, yeah exactly so it's, like, it's, you know, it, he doesn't have your best interest it, in it's mind a, it's but. a temptation uh it's a corruption so but also like if you're talking to something it's not killing you 
So, but he, uh, Malenbrand also wrote another one called Baby on Board, uh, which uh, was kind of a very uh, Law and Order SVU kind of thing. Well, not not necessarily. It was very kind of like, oh, she's pregnant, but she also might be a Cthulhu Mythos vector. And so you're like, oh, what do we do? Do we stop a bad person uh, uh, She's who's pregnant? And I just thought that was very kind of... I mean, I see what he was going for, but I was like, okay, she's a corrupt Delta Green agent who happens to be pregnant, and what do the players do with her? And uh, there is a bad, guy, a different bad guy, blah, 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 blah. Um, I don't know. I thought it was kind of sort of like going for cheap... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just think I, I thought it was it was kind of, um, eh. mm-hmm. kind of. Well, I like, yeah. And if I can say something that, okay, I thought this one was a little bit of bad form. Yeah, but um, Operation Glass Walls, which was written by the same person who did Operation Woodwork, mm-hmm. and the first sentence for it is. It is recommended that at least one agent sent on this operation has been part of the previous operation, Woodwork, as this is a direct follow-up. Yeah. What that strikes me as is, okay, shotgun scenarios are supposed to be 1,500 words standalone. And the fact that this one says flat out, somebody has to have played Woodwork first before you can do glass walls, kind of strikes me as... A little bit of cheating it's you're going to go for two scenarios and you're going to put them back to back when really it's one long scenario um yeah that's a, that's a good point also the author kind of spends a lot of time describing how the characters look which is sort of unnecessary for an mm-hmm. rpg because you know gms can or should they be make that up on the spot well, yeah to be quite frank when you're looking at brevity the fact that the start of woodwork involves quoting uh johnny cash when the man comes around mm-hmm um, that seems like wasted words to me. Yeah. I mean, I'm not criticizing the work. I'm just saying that as far as this particular format, that would be good if you're trying to put them together for a published set of scenarios. But when you're competing for short, I think what I'm trying to get at is I think he needs an editor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a contest and not professional work. So these are – I mean, for, I do want to thank everybody for, you know, submitting scenarios uh, mm-hmm. for this. But, like, yeah, um, that's a lesson. Like, be 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 uh, cruel to your kids. You know, you, you cut, cut, cut if you're over the word limit, you know. Yeah. Um, that's why I, my, I – like, I may have cut too much. I cut out shit – that was going to add about the basement and like, oh, to get under 1,500 words. And maybe I shouldn't have, but oh, well. Um, Dan, any thoughts? You've been quiet. Yeah. I mean, I read over Operation Magic Dragon because it references part of my growing up backyard, the Mark Twain National Forest. Actually, that's one of the ones I wrote down, too. Yeah. Nice. Uh, any thoughts on it? I mean, it was pretty straightforward. And, you Lakes know, and caves in Missouri. It, yeah. I mean... Missouri is an untapped resource in terms of crazy, strange shit in a lot of that type of scenarios because there's lakes and caves and caves that are lakes. Mm-hmm. Also, and caves small under lakes where strange disappearances have happened and people have chalked it up to hunting accidents. Wait, and or rednecks, the spook, and or rednecks. <laughs> um, yeah, it even yeah. Actually, I kind of I did. This was not the one of those I read, but skimming it over, it does. What what's the what's what's the what's the elevator pitch like? What's the thing with the players? It's are, uh, like like someone has like uh, crashed a car and died in this lake, mm-hmm. and to recover the body, they're just going to drain the lake. 
and but, it's pissed off some cave dweller things. Like kind of like humanoid, like human worm things. Well, oh, okay. They're Very X-Files, yeah. They may look human-esque, but they are more closely related to like an alien flatworm than mm, they are interesting. to a human. Kind of like Fluke Man, I guess, from, the X, from X-Files a little bit. Uh, okay. You know that one. Uh, no. God, it's, 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 sound it's, of disbelief in his voice. No, it, 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 it's, it's one of the monsters of the week from earlier. Yeah, no, I, I remember Fluke Man. And uh, but it's you know they're actually the, the things they're they're legit terrified they're going to be uncovered. Yeah, and they they so they try to stop murder the, murder the murder the, the drainage crew because that's not going to call more attention. Well, yeah, but they live in a lake for a long time. They're, they're an not. alien intelligence from beyond our time and space. Nope. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting premise. Um, and it's really you know, they're yeah they're doing horrible. Pretty things. straight up, there were there were some very experimental scenarios. Well, it's, it's, it's one where the the motives of, of the monsters are very clear and understandable. Like they don't want to be found. And also, like apparently, a church owns the property that this happened on, mm-hmm. and so they kind of don't want the bad press. So you have to deal with that as an agent. So it's layers upon layers. I, that one, I think it got me because I love the setting. Right. Like, oh, it's our backyard. Yep. Which can be really effed up. I technically grew up in a section of acreage that was in the Mark Twain National Forest. So you know there's monsters under there. Oh, yeah. I was, I'm was. i one of them. I mean, what? Hey, hi. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, a lot of the scenarios, that, that I mean, that seems almost like a really Ignore straightforward one. behind the curtain. Um, <laughs> some of the others, um, you know, one that I found interesting was Operation Witch Hunt. Uh, did any of you look at that one? Mm-hmm. Um, so Operation Witch Hunt is about a book club. That's uh, found an 18th century play uh, and oh, read dear. that. And actually, it's not the King in Yellow. <laughs> okay. Bullshit. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. It's it's a different fucked up mythos work. It's an original one. Uh-huh. Um, and so that's a really interesting idea. But the scenario itself is flawed because it's like you, f- you track them down to this farmhouse and there's this weird fucked up mirror. And uh, that leads obviously to another universe like you do. And you can the Swaltrek universe? No, it's even more fucked up. Uh, so, like, a lot of the scenarios, these detailed character pro- profiles of the book club members, and there's like five or seven of them. Um, and then the scenario is like, yeah, you can go in there, you can talk some of them into coming back. The others won't like it there in the fucked up alien universe. And if you bring them back by force, they'll kill themselves later on. Mm-hmm. So, that's it. So these people fucked up and they went to another universe. Some of them regret that. Some of them don't. And so that's interesting, but not like, mm, I don't know. It's, it's probably not interesting as a scenario, but it might be interesting in the using these as kind of a supplemental where you have previous relationships with members of the book club. And so now you've got a person like maybe someone's. Yeah, it needs some work. Like it's a great idea, but yeah, it needs a little more. But what's, like, the, what's the person that you can mine your, that you can shove your sanity damage off to? Uh, a bond? Yeah. Oh, like yeah. One of your bonds is one of the people that wants Ooh, to stay. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. I like that. So, yeah, see, with a little, you see, a lot of the scenarios fall in this category of like there, there's something really cool in it, but it's just not there but yet. But that's what they're intended for. Right? Yeah. They're shotgun scenarios. <laughs> um, so, we should talk about the winner, I guess, the, the number one guy, mm-hmm. uh, which that is actually, <laughs> yeah, uh, Ellen Delo 04. Uh, and he did Operation Stop Repo. And I like the, the premise of this. This is actually a very mundane scenario. There's no supernatural thing per se in it. Um, basically, you know, Delta Green, one of the major things is the green boxes, which are 
storage locations mm-hmm. of fucked up things, you know, that agents have to use. Not necessarily called. They could be, you know, stolen guns or, you know, of dead bodies or cut up dead bodies and guns. Or, or immortal parrots. Or, well, we don't know. I mean, you just know it's it's just a parrot. Like, <laughs> it's been in there for... It, yeah. Um, so... In Stop Repo, a Delta Green agent, a retired Delta Green agent, is in charge of a green box, uh, and then he dies suddenly. And so the players have to go. The thing is, it's not a green box. It's green cars in airport parking lots, long-term parking lots, and then they're towed away. And so because the guy died and didn't like and didn't have a fucking will, says, yeah, uh, notify my illegal conspiracy to uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, go get all that contraband and like – all that really illegal stuff in my in these cars, so <laughs> and that one weird rock that lets you commune with an alien consciousness. Yeah, that one. Um, yeah, please give that to my granddaughter. Uh, <laughs> like, I hope she enjoys it. Granddad loves you. So um, the thing is, the players, the Delta Green finally finds out about it and then signs the players to go track down these cars. And the thing is, the dead Delta Green agent had a bunch of NPC agents with him. He was part of a team. He was part of a cell. And so they're also like, oh, shit, we need to go get these cars and secure them. And the thing is, Delta Green, being a secret conspiracy, not so good on the communication. What? Yeah. So um, you have to deal with these. And the thing is, the way the thing is a really cool idea, but it's the kind it's a it's a great premise for a scenario. But it's one that if people were rational, could be resolved with a single persuade check. It's like. Hey, don't shoot. We're on the same team. Make your roll. Okay. Yeah, he won't shoot you. And Wait, then, but one of these teams is the deceased agent's cell, right? Yeah, yeah. His friends. Yeah. They're, they're, by definition, they're not rational. Well, I mean, they have stats for them, and they're actually, they are. I mean, he died like he was a, a retired guy, or like, uh, let's like see. Actually retired or forcibly retired? Do, 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 do. A cell. I mean, they still have. 45 sanity uh some of them yeah they still have positive sanity they're not uh i mean they you know addiction to alcohol depression addiction painkillers um intermittent explosive disorder um <laughs> adapted to violence what totemic compulsion rational thinking eh yeah well i mean there's a chance they could not like it could turn it, there's a chance it doesn't turn into reservoir dogs is what i'm saying no, are also is this a other cell? Are they chance, like retired cowboys chance. or are they retired actual agents? Um, I think it's actually up to the GM to say whether these are programmer cowboys, uh, legitimate or cowboys. Uh, so you could you could say either way. Um, so yeah, uh, you can. But so it's a really cool idea. But like theoretically, it could be resolved in one skill check. So, right. but on the other hand, if not, then it turns into like. Dealing, and also, like, do you really want to shoot another Delta Green agent? You know, or do you? Trick, like, silly question. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Also, Uh, like, a good number of Delta Green scenarios could have been resolved by a single well-timed skill check between rational people. Name three. (laughs) Because normally in Delta Green agent scenarios, it's against unnatural mythos or cults. It's seldom against purely against other agents. I'll start with Schrodinger's Dilemma, which is the one that I was thinking earlier. Oh, okay. You found that one? I found that one. Okay. Tell us about that one. What year was that in? Uh, That one was actually the winner in 2005. Ah, yeah. It's been going on a while. It's an older shotgun, but it still checks out. (laughs) Um, 
Intro on this one is an agent is notified that a postage due item is being held for him or her at the local post office. They owe about a dollar and pick and, and can pick the item up during normal hours. And it's an envelope containing a bunch of clues. And I mean, yeah, I'm familiar with this one. It's like like a some some money from the future and shit like that. Uh, yeah, there's a future ten dollar bill. Uh, there's a palm sized scrap of pale tattooed leather. <laughs> and then a message on a folded sheet of paper. And so the message is a set of lyrics from a Tom Waits song with <laughs> a thumbprint in blood that has crisscross scars in the middle of it. And let's see, when we say tanned leather, it's human flesh from an adult Asian female, possibly from the back or torso. Um, the tattoo is of an elder sign, mythos roll to recognize it. Uh, lots of fun things on the bill. And on the uh, sheet of paper, uh, yeah, it is a Tom Waits song, Earth Died Screaming. And the blood is the agent who it was addressed to. It's actually his own blood, his own fingerprint or thumbprint, but he does not have those scars. Yeah. And so a lot of the things about it, it's this is a message from you from the future. And when you find a hidden message on the page, it basically boils down to go to this location, kill this person, otherwise bad future happens. Yeah. But almost all of the roles that you have to make for it, um, there's a lot of cryptography that goes into it. There's a lot of um, investigation. There's computer use. And if you don't make all of the checks fast enough, time will get away from you. Yeah. But when you actually do make it there, one of the things is that a cell is compromised and they put like five possible endings in there mm-hmm. as far as how it's going to all is end. Is it real? Is it fake? Is it you know something else? Yeah, is yeah. it just fantasy? But um, mm-hmm. no matter what happens with it, um, the way that you could end the scenario is talking to a cell. If you actually called a cell at any point in time and went, hey, this is going to sound crazy, but... <laughs> Um, you have to find the right person and you have to make the right skill check, but that's the ending that goes off the page. That's mm-hmm. the, they say a cell is compromised. Is it really? Yeah. And can I really trust myself in the future? I sound a little crazy. I don't have any knowledge of Tom Waits in real life. Yeah. At this moment in time. That, that, that Schrodinger's dilemma is one of the better Delta green shotgun scenarios. I, I love it. I have not run it myself. I do. Uh, but it's really cool, and it, it's one of the reasons why I started writing uh, for it. Uh, is because I like that so much. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I do have to say the author for that one has got a definite background in cryptography, and it really does show. Uh, what was the author's name? Do you know? Um, hang on, let me bring it up. Yeah, there's, we'll go over the uh, the the sec, equal second places, then we'll uh, continue on. So, uh, did you guys read the second place ones? No. Nope. Okay. All right. Um. So, Sorry, I, yeah, yeah. Uh, for the, so the second place, one of the second one, the William Shar one. Our, yeah, our that one was uh, Johnny X wrote. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember if he's still on the email list or not. Anyways, uh, death is no parenthesis. Uh, by William Shar is an interesting one. It deals with the Mexican tar- cartels. So if you've uh, think Sicario and that kind of mm-hmm. thing, uh, it literally starts out with like you find bodies in a wall. Of a building, and it turns out they're all the same body, uh, <laughs> the same person. 
And so the the scenario is basically someone's been there's one of the things in Delta Green is that there's a a uh, the someone's made a street drug out of uh, the time viewing drug mm-hmm. and they call it Liao and so someone's used a version of that drug and it fucks him up on the time stream so that if he dies another version of another instance of himself pops into the timeline and so he can never die because he's just going to keep coming back. And so uh, this guy, of course, is making Liao, this time-viewing drug, to feed other people to the Hounds of Tendalos so the Hounds of Tendalos won't find him because they really want to eat him because he's fucking up the timeline. Mm. And so the only way to permanently kill him is to feed him to a Hound of Tendalos. And he's like, don't do that because that's really fucked up. But he's, <laughs> you know, a drug dealer for the Mexican cartel. So he's also an awful person who kills a lot of people. So how awful is he? Yeah, yeah. Is he awful enough to feed him? Yeah. So do you, do you, what do you do with this guy? Do you fucking, you can't kill him because if you kill him, he'll just pop back up somewhere. Like literally, that's what happens. Um, and he's, do you, do you flip him as an asset? Is that ethical to like make him an informant or something? Um, so yeah, that's uh, an interesting scenario. Uh, and then the other one is Fleur de Vie. Fleur de Vie. Fleur de Vie. Yeah. Uh, no, no, Fleur de Vie. Flower mm. of Life. Yeah. Uh, so it's a flower that causes people to mutate uh, and hyper evolve in a short period of time, which kills them. And so you have Weird. to find. Yeah. Uh, and so you have to find the person. And uh, yeah, people's bones aren't supposed to do that. Yeah. I wonder why. <laughs> And, um, yeah, you kind of have to deal with that person. Um, and so it's a typical kind of investigation, but it's an interesting idea of, you know, a flower that's turned into, I think, a fragrance. Uh, uh, well, it's essential oil and added to it. Essential oil, that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So it's basically a perfume. Yeah. And so, yeah, what do you do with this person? And um, so I like that, too, because and that's something to easily put in other scenarios. But as it is, it's pretty simple. Go find the person doing a bad thing and stop them. So, but it's an interesting bad thing that they're doing, you know. Um, oh, sure. Also, so. just reinforces the point that essential oils are bad for you. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um, so, yeah. Any final thoughts on the Delta Green uh, scenario this year? Definitely worth your time if you're, especially if you're like want to run something quick. Yeah. Uh, and if you're trying to introduce new people to it, um, mm-hmm. there's a couple of really good scenarios in there that will be challenging, but not mm-hmm. too terribly challenging. But it'll wait. Good way to get people in feet first with a single scenario. Yeah, I think uh, Death of No Parenthesis is actually a really good intro to it because you could easily be regular FBI agents and you find, you know, like 20 dead corpses of the same dude. And you're like, what the fuck? In varying stages of decay. And then you kind of have to uh, fucking deal with this asshole who is a, you know, time manipulating drug dealer. So, mm. well, screw that guy. Uh, let's go feed well, him to know, Ross, Yeah, Time manipulating drug dealer. Was a single for my high school ska band. Hey, and with that, uh, we'll take a break for some music and when we come back, we'll have shout outs and anecdotes. Shout outs and anecdotes. Favorite. We're back. Woo! 
Yes. Uh, I will probably be playing some uh, that music. Was, that was good music that you played. It was. It's probably not going to be Vaporwave, actually. K. Ross, he said it. Put the gun down. <laughs> God, whoa. <laughs> um, I'm probably going to be using uh, music Don't from worry, it's our not loaded. first shout-out, which is to Mello. He is a uh, producer, DJ, and uh, he has a band camp site. I'll put it up there. Is yeah, it Vaporwave, Ross? you got to tell us. No, he's not. It's like lo-fi hip-hop, and it's like a video game. Isn't that an offshoot of Vaporwave? No. No, it's not. Is it? Show us on the door it's where not. you Vaporwave, Ross. <laughs> it's not. All right? Jeez. There are differences, Dad. Um, so uh, it's really chill. It's very kind of chill-hop. Uh, you know, music, and he has a lot of different albums. He has one, that, uh, a short EP that's based on Upwind. Uh, so he's been talking to Faye. Um, so I just like his music. I've been using it a lot lately. So I bought a couple of his albums on Bandcamp uh, cool. digitally. So uh, you paid that. for music? I pay for actually. I pay for a lot of music actually these days. Uh, it's all indie stuff on. Well, I have a sub- Spotify subscription, um, and then uh, the Bandcamp music that I buy digitally uh, for various shows. Uh, if uh, all Creative Commons license, and of course I buy. I do buy cassettes of Vaporwave. Like that one that you're looking at right now from HK Express, Hong Kong Express, if who's a really good DJ, very artist. Dan's face, dear listeners. <laughs> I forgot even what the name of that one was. He's looking at it like it's um, the movie. <laughs> it's a cool looking. No, cassette. I haven't lit it on fire. Whoa, whoa! We didn't light that on fire. Whoa. Either. We didn't let you. Uh, um, so, uh, David, uh, I know you have two shoutouts, but what's your first one? Well, actually, if it's okay, I've got. Three shout-outs. Oh, yeah, sure. What's your uh, um, shout-out? Uh, first off, um, everybody knows that I love dice. Uh, really unusual dice. Yeah. And so this year for Christmas, I was gifted a set of Skull Splitters, and they are freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who don't know, Skull Splitters are metal dice, mm-hmm. uh, usually with a theme and usually with a fun case. And in this case, I got a set of Purple Steel. Okay. And they are they are the bomb. I recommend them for anybody. Very pretty. Though very pretty. And they they roll good for me, too. Yeah. Uh, Very good. Uh, Tom? Uh, Yeah, I have a webcomic. It is uh, Those Unknowable. It is is a uh, mythos... mythos Cthulhu mythos. Cthulhu mythos style webcomic. But uh, the way he's he's done it... Well, first of all, the guy's art style is very Mike Mignola. Very awesome. Mm -hmm. But uh, secondly... um, he makes the mythos. It's not horror so much. It's science fiction. Okay. You know, like it has, um, it has deep ones and, you know, Nairoth Hotep. They're more like aliens than they are like gods or demons. Mm-hmm. You know, like still Nairoth Hotep is, a, he's the, still the crawling chaos. Okay. But humans, nice guy. you know, it's, but I also, he has a great, <laughs> super re- fun at parties, but he has a great reason why, you know, it's like why all these beings are on earth. Mm-hmm. And his reason in the comic is in the multiverses, this is this universe is the only one that Earth exists, mm. and no one knows why. No, the old ones don't know why, and but they know like it must be important. All right, and the only reason humans are you know so weak is that we're just a really really young species. I see. Essentially, give us a few thousand or hundred thousand years, we're gonna probably if we're still around, we'll probably be able to start competing. I see. Interesting. So it's uh, so humans don't automatically go nuts every time they see something. It's got to in this one. It's it's got to kind of make sense that you know, like first like, you see a monster, like oh god, 
But if it's like, wait, but if it bleeds, we can kill it. Yeah. So, right. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, to be fair, that's a lot of color. But what I really love is what I really love is the monster characters have as much character and personality as the human characters do. I see. Like, you know, the main, like, what you think villain, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm doing air quotes, is a dimensional shambler named Jaunt. All right. Who has, who has been given human intelligence, like a human mind from, uh, I think it was Yogg-Sothoth. Okay. But he doesn't know why he was made this way and is really having, kind of having trouble dealing with it. He's probably a real big fan of Lady Gaga. He's born hey, this way. Well, this, hey, oh. Well, I mean, it takes place hey, in the 20s, but. Literally a little monster. Hey, but also, but also, he did a uh, he did a, a great picture of my ghoul character. Yeah, and I'm uh, guessing he's got a fairly. And good also, poker he's face. gonna. And yeah. I also, I also mentioned uh, the author, it's author, and uh, artist. We are going to do an online Call of Cthulhu game with him soon. Ooh, it was his you. first one. Be sure to record. I will. All right, record it, Tom. Uh, so Dan. Uh, I know you had one shot. It's kind, it's it's kind, kind of, of a, a shared one. Kind of a joint a, one, but I'll let him go. Yeah. Well, it, it's shared because fuck you and your Christmas gifts, Tom Church. You are welcome. Whoa. Yeah, I gifted it to him. Aww. Yeah, Tom gifted me the base game of Stellaris, and then I started, I just said, like, try it out. Yeah. yeah, just like, you know, first one's free. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like the dealer. first one's always free. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, buying multiple DLCs later. and Because, now, like, they're all awesome. They all add something. Yeah, and now I am a I, I am playing in my current map as the custodians of Earth, the the robot custodians of what's left of humanity. And I tell you, all the bio trophies that I'm accumulating in <laughs> the galaxy are living lives of pristine happiness on these ring worlds I'm building for them. <laughs> I uh, it, it's the game is awesome. I, it, pristine I, happiness because you tell them it's pristine happiness. Or? I mean. Their happiness ratings are at 90% and above. It may or may not have something to do with the drugs I'm pumping into the Atmo filters. It's all except Steve, and Steve's just an asshole. And that's why he still lives on what's left of Earth. <laughs> because he's like that. All right. Uh, but yeah, I like the, I mean, I love the, I love, yeah, I love the, the galactic. So this is the DLC you're talking about. Yeah, I've Synthetic got Dawn. Synthetic Dawn is where you get to play actual yeah. machine empires. And it, and it really feels like you're playing machines. Yeah. Okay. It's the yeah the ships still look kind of like as the custodians of Earth you still have like the Earth spaceship models yeah mm-hmm. they're not like super high tech robot board cubes or anything like that yet um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah it's just the you know I don't have to worry about growing food but I do have to build a lot of energy and currency in order to, to pay the electric and I love it like in a lot of like like in Galactic Civium there's like the wonders like you can build a Dyson sphere yeah you know, ooh. Uh, or you could build like I like the the science snubs are like which are like gas giant planet size mm-hmm. laboratories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or uh, ring worlds. Ring worlds or the uh, the uh, sensor rays that give you complete automatic view of the entire galaxy at once. I will say though, I made the mistake of building a Dyson sphere apparently around a planet that one of the neighboring empires at some point worshipped as their god. This happens sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Talk, like, it's like, they were yeah. really upset at me for a while because yeah, you know, like yeah, you know, like this star, this star is made of, you know, like it's the forms the constellation of one of our most sacred constellations. Like, oh, and you're just like, Yuck. and it's it's one of those where you have to like, well, you can either respond diplomatically, give them something in return, or say, science progress, bitch. <laughs> Peace out. <laughs> Fuck you, Orion's belt. Well, it's they ours got now. really pissed Mike and attacked Rob. me 
I then proceeded to wipe them out, recolonize all their planets, claim a, a good portion of their population as biotrophies, and then proceeded to terraform their planets into machine worlds that could only support machines. Okay, well, that's kind of a jerk thing. I am protecting what's left of humanity, I'm Ross. just saying it's escalating By quickly. By any that means necessary. Out of <laughs> and actually, I love it. What's left of humanity. All right. And, all of course, right. and, yeah, and... Uh, this February, on the 22nd, they're coming out with the Apocalypse expansion, which is now you can build Titan spaceships and planet killers. Well, yeah, I was about to say, not like the Titan AE spaceship, but then that also is technically kind of a planet killer. Mm-hmm. But well, yeah, it's, it's yeah. a race killer to build. Pl- Anyways, uh, it's, it's a super addictive game. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I spent many a weekend going, why this shit is it now? 11 p.m. on a Sunday. <laughs> and what happened to my pants? Yeah. Uh, well, those were in the hamper, like, walking the door. <laughs> yeah. So, fuck you, pants. <laughs> uh, so, um, speaking of things, the best done without pants, watching Netflix is one of those. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I've been watching a lot of Netflix lately. Sean recommended a series uh, called Dark. And I finished season one of that. The only what? season that's available. You finished a season of I something? I did on finish a season. It Mother was. of God. I know. It's that good. Uh, so Dark is a German series um, that was beautifully f- photographed uh, and just uh, great acting, incredible music, uh, and really intriguing plot. Um, and it starts as this mystery of this small town that lives in the shadow of a nuclear power plant. And then um, some teens uh, go out uh, at night on very you know teenage shenanigans, mm-hmm. and but one one of their little brothers is tagging along with them, and then they just this weird the sound happens, everything goes dark for a moment, and then the kid's gone. Uh, oh, wait a minute, yeah. The series is called Dark, and then suddenly everything goes dark. Weird. Um, what? So um, the the mystery of this missing child starts unraveling, and things get weirder and weirder and weirder. Um, so you could draw parallels between it and Stranger Things, although it's far you know darker than Stranger Things. Nah. Uh, and uh, Twin Peaks, and that mm-hmm. kind of like small town with tons of secrets and a weird thing that doesn't make sense. Um, but from what I understand, Dark has a plot. It does have a plot. Okay, it's a so very it's nothing like Twin Peaks. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Log, uh, so it's um, yeah, yeah. And the thing is, yeah. I mean, the plot. The thing is, the my only complaint is that the the plot was not really like they're clearly going to a season two. Like that. That's what the the story is incomplete right now. Um, and I don't know if season two has been confirmed or is in production yet. But uh, so I hope it is because it's kind of ended on like, uh, like I want to see everything finished. That like it like you got all these balls in the air. You know, you're juggling all these things, all these plot points, and it's not done yet. So, okay. um, so I like that. Uh, so David, uh, well, um, I'll do these two back to back kind of okay. quick. Um, I also like wearable fashion, uh, especially nerdy fashion. And right now I'm fidgeting with my crit success ring. I've got, uh, they make spinner dice rings. So basically you can have a D20 you wear on your finger. Or the one that I've got right now is a uh, 100 counter. And it's been on my hand ever since I got it. Absolutely love the thing. Um, Highly recommend this particular brand for anybody who likes wearables in addition to dice and the ones that can function as both are amazing so highly recommend 
And then the last uh, funky dice I'm going to tell you about are Polyhero. Um, they make dice that, instead of being in geometric shapes, are shaped like things. So they've got two sets that are out now, and then they've kickstarted the third. So they've got the warrior set, where the D4 is a dagger, the D6 is a sword, um, the D20 is a shield that you throw across the table, uh, D12 helmet, uh, gauntlets for your tens so that you've got your percentiles. Um, the wizard set is all wizardy things, uh, like the D6 fireballs. The um, D8 is a... Um, it's either a magic wand or it's... Um, Oh, shoot, I forget off the top of my head. <laughs> but I do know hat? that the 10s are potions. Is there a wizard hat? Uh, there is a wizard hat. It's the D20. Uh, you spin it like a top, and then it'll just kind of go kathunk. Hmm. But the coolest 20 that they've produced so far is actually in the current Kickstarter, which is the Rogue set. So if you can picture this, it's a thin disc in the middle of a lock. And you spin it by sticking a lockpick in and twirling it, but you don't know what the numbers are until you flick the lockpick down, and then you've picked the lock, but you've also revealed what the 20 is. Hmm. And as the Kickstarter is currently going on, um, they've also hit the stretch goal of a D4 that Caleb would actually like, because we know about Caleb and his outspoken hatred of the Caltrop D4s. Um, in this case, they've got one that their initial Kickstarter exclusive was a grappling hook. Mm-hmm. And so they threw in rope. So the D4 is a bundle of rope. Uh, they've also got a dagger D4 in the main set. But you basically can, if you kickstart it, you can get the grappling hook and rope. Physical reward Kickstarter. Hey, Good luck in that uh, international shipping. Uh, now I mean that. You you will need it. You will. Because yeah. it's the devil. You will need uh, it. I actually saw, um, sort of not quite a shout out, but uh, Fate is, uh, Evil Hat is doing a Fate Dice uh, Kickstarter right now for new types of Fate Dice. Um, they're also doing like Fate Points as a stretch goal, which are like poker chip kind of things for you use as Fate Points. Um, God but, damn it, Ross! Why did you say that out loud? I did, didn't I? So You're, you just want me to run more fate. That's, I, that's, I see how it is. Yeah, also, yes, yeah. All right. So, uh, but they're not doing international shipping. They're just not offering it. They're saying no, it's not worth it uh, for us. And uh, I can see the point. It's a huge logistical headache for a small company. You and you don't actually make any money doing ask it. Ask Caleb? Yeah. You ask ask any number of people. It's like it's nearly impossible to make a profit doing it. So um, you can get your cost back, but the only way to make a profit is to charge so much that the international backer has to pay like you know, like a hundred percent of the two hundred percent of base price of the object to get it. You know, like they're a hundred percent, you know, like yeah. thirty dollars for twenty dollars of dice or more. So yeah, this anyway, particular yeah. set of dice, the Rogue set, it's going to be like $25 to get all of it. Yeah. So I don't think they're offering international shipping other than Canada, which is not exactly international when you think about it. It's like... It actually is. It's it is. fucking expensive to get to Canada now. So Really? Yeah. It's not as bad as Europe, but it's not good. It's actually cheaper to, in some cases to ship to the UK and then back to Canada. I blame the Cheeto. Uh, yeah, well, it's actually blame all the, the Republican Party because they hate the post office and uh, have forced the post office to raise prices in order to meet uh, various insane uh, pension fund demands. Like they have to, the post office has to fund their pension fund 50 years in advance, which no one else on the planet has to does. 
It's really messed up. It's yeah. Anyway, um, so I have two more shoutouts, uh, and that is uh, two games on Steam right now. Uh, one free, one is pretty cheap. Uh, the first one is Doki Doki Literature Club, which uh, is a Sean has mentioned that. A Sean lot. has Sean's yeah. Put uh, 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 it's, the amount of insane fervor that's in Sean's eyes <laughs> when he talks about it is discouraging. It's me worrying. From it's close it's to only it. it only took me three hours to beat. So it's free too. Well, so I'll be honest. If I see that level of insane fervor in Sean's eyes about anything, <laughs> I know that it's something that he really cares about. So yeah. I'm willing to give it a look. So it's because. free. It it starts out like a dating sim or a visual novel. If you're familiar with that genre mm-hmm. of game, uh, very much you're a Japanese high school student and you have to pick a club. So you go to the literature club and there's four pretty girls all vying for your attention. So which girl will you choose? And then I'm gonna pick the pretty boy in the back. Uh, no nope, character can't do that. Uh, there, well, it's because it does. It gets it, weird. It's not that. It gets weird. Uh, and it's really. It's only three hours, so it's worth playing. I don't want to spoil anymore. So um, let's see. And then finally, renowned explorers, which is a more straightforward RPG roguelike. Uh, where you pick a team of three, uh, like there's there's like twenty characters total, and you pick three of them, um, and so you can do all kinds of different team combos. Uh, of these 19th century explorer types, and you know some of them are like, I'm a master fencer, or I'm a res- I'm a luchador wrestler, or I'm a you know, I'm literally Tesla but a woman, you know, and that kind of thing. Uh, so you know, with stun guns and electro bombs mm-hmm. stuff like that, and uh, you have to go on five expeditions. You only have five expeditions to rack up enough victory points to be crowned explorer of the year. And you get ex- victory points for like finding treasure, discovering you know lost temples, you know uh, befriending and pirates, them, sure. and looting them, and bef- befriending pirates or you know uh, crazy animals and now stuff like that. Speaking my language, um, so you there's a lot of strategy in it. Uh, what I find interesting is that when you get into a conflict, you have three main strategies: uh, fighting, uh, devious, and uh, peaceful. Uh, devious is more like tricking or scaring people. Uh, fighting is obvious and then peaceful is like hey let's be friends and different encounters will respond to differently to different types of things and so you can change there's this whole thing of like changing your tactics in order to um and get the kind of outcome you want. So, like, different team combos will favor fighting versus negotiations. Weirdly enough, the Luchador is really good at fighting, for example. What? Yeah. Um, so. Disbelief. It's a really fun game. I beat it uh, once in about 10 hours on sort of the low settings, but obviously you can crank up the difficulty. You can go on more. There's, there's, uh, there's expansions that give it even more. Like, there's 10 expeditions total, but you can only go through five of them. So there's replay value. And even when you go on the same expedition, it randomizes the type of encounters you have. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's a really fun, interesting RPG. So, All right. Um, Anyways, uh, and I think that's it for shout-outs. So we have anecdotes. Um, We've been playing some games. David's been running games. Uh, Hopefully he'll be getting me some uh, uh, Red Market soon. Uh, Absolutely. But you've been playing not that and Starfinder. So what's your anecdote today? Well, um, today's anecdote actually comes off of the um, Red Market's campaign. And it's not an anecdote about the game as much as it is um, something that happened peripheral to, but I have yeah, to yeah. share. Um, heck of a compliment that I received, because I've been texting back and forth with a couple of our fans. Yeah. And I'm not as present online as I would like to be of late, but hopefully that's going to change in the not-too-distant future. 
but I had a request, and just to read it from the text message. Um, I have a weird request, and I understand if this can't happen, and I apologize if I step over the line, but my birthday is coming up on the 22nd, and I was wondering if I could be turned into an NPC that meets a terrible fate in one of your games. (laughs) If not, I understand. And so... At the time, I was running Red Markets, and I had... Pretty easy to do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Very easy. I had kind of designed my own aberrant, and mm-hmm. um, I actually used his corpse as bait. <laughs> okay. And it resulted in one of the characters going up and facing the monster directly and dying, and one person hitting... <laughs> crack on two different uh, humanity tracks at the same time. So this play, this person was sort of the warning. He's like, don't do this. And the player's like, yeah, no, we're going to do it anyway. Well, um, essentially I used him as Danny Trejo in Predators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's sitting there going, help me, please. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I can't feel my legs. Whoops. And it's actually the aberrant throwing his voice towards the players. Oh, and when they go move. in to try to save this guy, yeah. they find out that the reason why he can't feel his legs is because at this point he's a torso. Ooh. Oops. And so... Well, sometimes you're a torso. That's a good idea for an aberrant, too. Like, I like that, uh, that mimicry thing, yeah? Well, among other things I did with it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I basically took human centipede and turned it into the most horrifying thing I could. All right. Um, um, I, but you repeat yourself. That's fine. Well... It's basically <laughs> figured out that the way to keep the blight hot is by grafting more bodies onto itself. Oh, okay. And so at this point, it's got a whole bunch of legs. Its arms have three elbows in them. Um, its face now has almost like a spider set of eyes because it's really like four heads put together to make Zygote. one big giant head. And um, I was just kind of calling it the flesh chimera. Okay. Did that. it say Edward? <laughs> it did not. Hey, but if, uh, I'd give, if I'd given it a little bit more thought, I probably would have. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the job was finding a little girl and her pet dog, and just, oof, things got yeah. south. Uh, but then, of course, I've also been running Ashen Stars, uh, which is a gumshoe sci fi role playing game. We have a complete mini campaign of that with eight episodes or so. Uh, and Dan and Tom were both in it. We right. were, yeah. Uh, was yeah, too? in the yeah, I was, yeah, in the other group. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Dave, well, Tom was in both groups, so you know. Good. Yeah, <laughs> I got to play the space elf yeah. medic, and I was tried to calm everybody down. I was a space armadillo medic. Ooh. Uh, and nobody played the leader. I love. I like that part. <laughs> it was Gary and Barry. Gary and Barry. Uh, we got ours off of a uh, off of a bench in some park somewhere. Where'd you find yours? I think the same because we were trying to figure out what to do with the captain, and Ross told us that's what you did. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Basically. I think our, ours was. But please don't dump me off. <laughs> um. So what do you talk about in that? What was memorable? Well, I was going to say that yeah. I thought about the leader for a hot minute, and yeah. then I looked at the table around me, and I was like, nope. <laughs> Not gonna do that. No one's gonna. Yeah. No one's gonna listen anyway. So why dump skill points into things that won't matter? Aww. Um, I think, but I think we. And need- then I played the medic. Yeah, that was, that was also good. the party face. 
And then I realized, why did I dump skill points into things that don't matter? But that's another issue entirely. The game no. was fun. I, no, I, th- I think we need to talk about uh, Bessie. Oh, yeah. Our, our mascot, who became our mascot. All right, so tell us about Bessie, then. Well, we were on a planet that was... Uh, I guess I could... It's called Abundance 5. Yeah, it was a uh, synthetic culture. It was essentially like a, an uh, Old West planet. Old West. It was norm- formerly a resort, where the theme was the human Wild West. Uh, and so everyone... Who was on that planet uh, was supposed to that, that was their so job was, like was to basically was like, lar- Dis- like Disneyland like you're gonna be cowboys yeah Westworld but you're not robots you're people and uh, but then an intergalactic war happened and the resort world was cut off and so people were like well let's just be cowboys for real and why not and why not and so uh, we showed up tell here. me again why do I need to procure a toxin <laughs> so uh, go on so um, but part of the industry like you know, they have uh, it's like there's cattle drives. Mm-hmm. But it's the future, and also we're not sure if cows actually exist anymore. Yeah. But there were cyber cows, mm-hmm. which were yeah, they were kind of uh, like kind of like pod morphs in, from uh, Eclipse Phase. Mm-hmm. But so they were mechanical and organic. So it was kind of like it was cybernetic cows, where it was like you know a, the, they had AIs, well like bad, not not good AIs, but AIs in them. But they also had organic like. Cow, you know, like, like meat tissue, yeah, and that that looked like real, you know, cows, and they grew around them that you could shave off painlessly mm-hmm. because it's a machine, and it would regrow. And we got our, we, we got one, we got one designation B three five five one three Bessie, and uh, we just like when one of those as soon as we found her. Like, she can. We can never be apart from her ever again. She, yeah. she lives on our ship now. Yeah, apparently. Uh, it, I guess it was one of those things where, like, make the GM do a funny voice. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, you shouldn't have done that so yeah. well. Was, Moo, I am Bessie. It's like Moo Protocol Initiated. <laughs> Moo Protocol Initiated, yes. Well, and I just find it funny that the other team apparently spent money on things like gear, yeah. Weapons, ship upgrades. <laughs> Lame. Like, like, how many credits will it take to buy a space cow? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We we, we, we didn't even steal it. We yeah, legit we acquired it. Yeah. it. Oh, yeah. We have all this money. We're not going to... Eh, whatever. We're not going to look at it. But, uh, um, yeah, it was, yeah. We had a cyber cow on board our ship, and it was wonderful. Yeah. We, every member of the crew fell in love with it, which I think is group cohesion. Yeah. There's a thing that keeps us together. It certainly wasn't our... Captain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's also fair. and was did we have Barry or did we have Gary? I think uh um, which one did you guys have? I think the holiday had Gary. I think uh, we which had was Gary. yeah. So we so had, had Barry. Barry. Yeah. And uh, uh also uh I was playing one of the one of the low bug aliens and uh, yeah one of the, I his thing was uh food tourism. Because they're all about because like they just have to constantly eat. Yeah. That's kind of their thing. So, but in some, like, that's their whole purpose of life is to travel the galaxy to find new and unique, you know, tastes. Yeah. Which cannot be sentient beings. That's totally right They're out. G- genetically engineered out of your species. But, so, my character had that one, the, the yeah. one on uh, the, uh, the was it, what was our ship? Were, were we the holiday? No, no. you were the Silverhawk. Yeah, we were the Silverhawk. Sil- the Silverhawk. Uh, I had that uh, and... I would eat something all the time and then roll a D6 to determine what I thought of it. Yeah. 
And Cyber Cow Me roll came up a five. Yeah. So it's Good. quite Cyber- good. Only one thing ever came up a six. What was that? That was space coffee. Mm. At it, the space the, prison. Yeah. The space, pri- space, space prison, prison coffee. coffee. Yeah. And, of all things. <laughs> and when we encountered another one of my species, like, first you need to try this coffee. Yeah. And he agreed, like, oh my God, that, it's really good. that is insanely good. Did you get a one on anything? Uh, yeah, it was, um... Do you remember? It's in it's in the book. I'd have to yeah, look yeah. at it. It's I, I put, wrote everything down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah. Well, I think it was some form of uh, meat that I had. Was on it one the of space them. tacos? Might have been the tacos. Something I rolled a one. Like, oh, do you ah. remember what planet it was on? No, I don't. Okay. I, well, well, well. I mean, I'm sure we'll do a post mortem when I get. I'm back. sure when Ross does his thorough editing job, <laughs> of the recordings, he'll be able to parse that out. Oh, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll just but, no, make it that was, note uh, right now. But yeah, um, just yeah. <laughs> it was a game where like all like, all of our characters came together. Yeah. Uh, I think it was fun. I, the thing is, uh, the way uh, I'll probably revisit Ash and Stars and just do one shots, but you guys can use your same characters for it. So yeah, I mean, uh, they all lived. Yeah, I, I will say it's like I, I enjoyed, am under the impression yeah. that that would be an enjoyable experience. Yeah, as much as you were allowed to enjoy things. Emotions are things for weaker races. <laughs> no, yeah. no, it's, it's, Anyways, Dan, sorry, what were you saying? I'll say it's like you know I like Gumshoe when yeah. it's done as an investigation and or adventure game. Mm-hmm. It's so it's really well done. Yeah, I enjoyed the game. I enjoyed the system. I enjoyed the plot. The things I did not enjoy <laughs> had nothing to do with any of those things. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we'll we'll talk about that off, off screen. Uh, certainly, some some players are a little more rambunctious than others. Um, it, it it can be hard to get what? focused. Um, so, but yeah, that's a that's a separate episode. Uh, we can talk about that when I get back. Uh, but yeah. Um, anyways, this has been RPBR episode 151, uh, Shotgun Summaries, and I'll talk to you guys next time. Woo! Woo! Woo!